Welcome to another episode of the Sample Hour. This episode is brought to you by ProfitableUrbanFarming.com. Click on the link in the show notes or at the side of the webpage for the Sample Hour to get some credit. Um, anyways, learn how Curtis Stone makes 70K on one third of an acre. Go ahead and click on the link. And if you like, go ahead and get the course. Um, there's a new podcast that will be coming out Thursday, which is actually a podcast that's linked directly to the course. So go to that. Also, as Grant Schultz indicates later on in the show, go to newfarmsupply.com, enter discount code SAMPLE, and get 20% off on any purchase you guys make at that site. Thank you guys so much, and enjoy the show. throwing shit away yeah like i'm in yeah like cheap getting stuff cheap on amazon yep. and throwing it away um ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the sample we are here live at permaculture Vo- voices three let me try to sp- say that again in english permaculture voices three special birthday edition 31 years old yeah right man special birthday edition um yeah i've been wanting to link up with this gentleman for a while since i had curtis stone on the first time he was telling me everybody that he thought was a badass in the permaculture world and your name showed up and he said you need a friend this guy on facebook get him on your podcast uh he is the owner and operator of VersaLand in iowa city iowa iowa city iowa yeah and uh so one of the few midwestern big permaculture guys well there's like mark shepherd in wisconsin but you're like the first to invade the corn capital of the world, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pioneering the corn capital of the world, Mr. Grant Schultz. Thanks for being on today, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's um so, you know, one thing we like to do, I like to do, I, I say we, but it's just me that I like to do on the podcast is have people on and talk about how they got to where they are. And um and one thing that I really like about your story, man, is that you pretty much made a decision we'll get to it and you've made a lot of sacrifices to do what you do yeah we'll, we'll get into those and like i think the i i like it, it seems like you really have like a get in where you fit in attitude and then just get shit done and make stuff happen in a sense like you know it if you can't afford it settle with something else but just do it keep plugging keep plugging away and eventually you'll be able to afford it so um but talking about your background, here, let's move these chairs so we can actually, we're in a conference hall. These chairs have got some pinstripes on them. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so now something else, you're originally in sales. So, I mean, I guess tell a quick story just of your background, just for people to... Yeah, um, roll it back a little bit. I was in college. I was a sophomore in college, and my landlord needed help showing houses for rent, right? Yeah. And I needed money. And they're like, hey, yeah, you just you, you show a house and you sign a lease and you get paid. And I was like, okay, yeah. great. And they're like, oh, but by the way, in Iowa, legally, you have to have a real estate license to to do this. And I was just like, whatever, I'll, I don't care. I'll get a real estate license. How hard could yeah. that be? You know? And this was, gosh, 2001-ish, somewhere okay. in there. And I was like one of the first people to get an online only you know, real estate licensure in Iowa, you yeah. know, so I just, I just blasted through it on the computer, you know, an one yeah. on my IBM Aptiva, you know, <laughs> and, uh, anyway, long story short, I, I made about $1,500 my first week 
and well, probably more than that. But I, that's I paid, a lot of money for college, and, and yeah, I paid my entire semester of college the first week. That's back when college was cheap. Yeah, and I was like, holy shit, I'm this is great. I'm doing this. This is cool, you know. And because uh, I was just showing apartments to my friends. Yeah, you know, and when you know your peers, you're yeah. obviously better at that sales role than some old guy. Yeah. Um, so I did well at it, and I, I got into it. And, uh, I mean, I, I always wanted to farm. I was, I was at Iowa state for an agricultural curriculum Yeah. and I didn't jive with the, with what they were saying because it was really conventional. It was really row crop based. It was really, you know, if you if you're lucky, you little shit, you're going to drive a sprayer for $15 an yeah. hour. And I had no desire to do that. Yeah. I knew I wanted to follow my own path. I saw real estate as the conduit to, to generate some wealth to be able to do that. And I, I pursued that. So, but like, so did you, because I don't, I didn't even, un, I didn't even know about other methods of farming. I think until like 2009 or 2008 when I first saw Food Inc. Like, had you known of anything else back then or was it just kind of like, oh, this sucks. This is what I really <laughs> want to do. And this is what they're telling me. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. Well, it, 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 I was, you know, a sophomore in college. I, this was pre-permacultural awakening yeah. whatsoever. Um, but I was gardening since I was, I, since I could walk. Okay. And I distinctly remember like this kindergarten field trip to uh, a pumpkin farm. Yeah. Now, this is just a row crop guy who had some pumpkins too. Yeah. But when you're three feet tall and you're like pumpkin farming, yeah, that's that's cool. You know, pumpkins are like Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Um and he had some poultry and stuff too. And I was I was enamored with farming as both food source and entertainment as a as a child, you know, because it's mm-hmm. fucking fun, you know? Yeah, it is. Um and only only as you age do you really realize how big, you know, big ag really is, and how it makes a lot of the world go around. Yeah, and I just never got into it. So I, when I went to Iowa State, I was on a horticulture track because yeah. apples are just as cool as pumpkins, you know. Yeah, and I was working in this big ass apple apple uh, orchard at the university, and it was a research station. So it was the latest and greatest high density chemical application and everything like that. And it's just like I don't. I don't like it. I don't like being around it. You know, you get a headache breathing in some of that shit and it's just like this natural aversion. Yeah. So I didn't know what path I would get on in time, but I knew the things that I didn't want to do. And that yeah. was, I don't want to drive a combine. I yeah. don't want to drive a sprayer. Yeah. And I don't want to look at the same damn thing all day long. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, so when, when did, um, so you're doing real estate now. When did you kind of, because I'm a big, like self-proclaimed anarchist and I know you're a big libertarian so I don't do labels yeah I know you don't do labels but I, I think it's like when you do this this field you want to do it yourself you want to carve out your own world and I feel like you embody that like you live it versus just get on and talk about it like you know what I mean so um I guess like so you know you're doing this real estate and when you know because you're working for yourself in a lot of ways but what so what what is it that you're you know you're 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 making good money and but what what was it like what was it that you knew was missing from life in general well i, I, mean, I guess so. i mean so I, in, in, in yeah to clarify there's there's many in in the field of real estate there's many ways to make a living right? yeah and i mean i had a broker's license i ran a brokerage but effectively what i was doing was a lot of property management okay uh and you realize that hey let's say i sell a house to somebody that i know yeah you get a commission it's yeah. a one-time deal yeah you don't you don't see any other income until they decide to sell that house so they go buy another one Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, early 2000s, uh, credit was pretty loose. You know, you could go buy a house with 5% down mm-hmm. and my commission was three and a half percent, you know, so you're almost there. Um, so I was able to actually get, get a couple rental, rental properties pretty early in life. Yeah. Um, 
and that you see the recurring income from that. So yeah. my foray in real estate was less of the suit and tie salesy angle, but more of the, this is an internal angle. This is a funnel on the best deals yeah. to be able to get property that and then sense. manage others because it's recurring income. Yeah. Um, and you what, still own the properties? Or no, I sold everything. Sold everything. That that was what entered my libertarian foray, and I'll, <laughs> I can get shared a little bit about that. Yeah. But my mo at the time was basically take a a broken down three bedroom house, yeah, fix it up, add it, you know, turn the dining room into a fourth bedroom, and yeah. then if you're really ambitious, finish out the attic or or put an egress window in the basement, make it a five bedroom house. So I mean, was this in like the college area yep. still? College and so, and so it was like you're renting out to college kids. Absolutely. Yep. And I, at the time, I'm in my you know mid twenties, yeah. so there's still more or less people I know. Yeah. So now, were you doing a lot of the construction work on your all own? The, or you, everything. Everything. Wow. Yep. And you, were you, was it mainly self-taught or did you? Completely. That's awesome, yeah. man. So that's the other thing too is like a- adversity and skill set. Yeah. Um, my parents were divorced when I was in kindergarten. Yeah. And I live with my mom, single uh-huh. mom, you know. And I, I remember like being age 10 or 12 and like the, the, the wax seal in the toilet went bad. Mm-hmm. But if you're a 40-year-old woman, you don't know anything about wax seals in the toilet. Maybe some do. A lot of them do now. But Yeah. Um, and I remember... She's like, shit, what do we do? So we just, we tore up the toilet. You go to the hardware store, you talk to the guys, they figure out what you got to do. And we literally replaced the subfloor around this toilet and, you know, new linoleum, new wax, something like that. And you figure it out because you're too fucking poor to hire anybody. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what you do. And I remember this, this kind of collaborative problem solving as a, as a child with yeah. my single 40-something mother, you know? Yeah. And not everybody gets to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know? No, I had an older brother, and he did most of that stuff, so I never, like, had to learn to. And now it's like, man, I wish I wouldn't have been such a lazy bastard as a kid. <laughs> because now, like, I'm doing that stuff now, and it's like, man, it would have been better to learn these skills when I was younger. Sure. But, uh, so, okay, so you, you're getting these houses. How many real estate properties did you have? It was up to about a dozen. So, okay. and, then, and then entering into my libertarian bent, anar- yeah. anarcho-libertarian bent, yeah, was that I was young, yeah. I was doing well, and I didn't like being told what to do. Yeah. And I ran into a, a very egotistical planning and zoning guy at the uh-huh. city. Um, and there was some archaic law on the books to, um, it was more or less to just dis- to discriminate or discriminate, to uh, disencourage. Yeah. Is that a discourage? Yeah. Disencourage. I like that word better. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, brothels. So it was only four unrelated people could live in any single family structure. Oh. And, and, and it, again, the thing was unrelated people. Yeah. So they more or less started throwing, they started writing me citations for having five people in a house. Yeah, they, they did that in Toledo when I was at University of Toledo. I remember that. It's very, very common. Yeah. Yet, yet I, you know, if I was a foster parent, I could have 16 kids unrelated that I don't have legal custody of living there. And, you know, they wouldn't bother you for that. No, and they'll give you money. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but I'm saying from the city level, they wouldn't. Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. It, it's effectively, it's discrimination against yeah. someone who's doing something that they don't like. Um, and it, it's, it's flies in the face of all reason, all rational land use, yeah. uh, everything. And it just became this, it was a, it was a pissing match. Yeah. And you know, there's something, there's truth to the, the fact that you can't fight city hall. I took a lot of it to court. I won self-represented, which is fucking unheard of. Yeah. And then they would appeal it. And I'm not going to go to the state Supreme court and waste all of my limited resources on, on something that just turns into this pickle dick pissing match. And I realized the writing was on the wall. How did how did you figure out how to fight that real quick? I mean, not to get too oh, I off read track. The sh- I read the code. I read yeah. I read everything. I mean, it's commonplace to see you know, um, unconstitutional 
codes on the books in many places still. Yeah. You know, just archaic stuff. And the only way they ever get removed or challenged is if somebody says, holy shit, like this is. Yeah, and you got to take it to the court You got to take it to the courts, yep. yep. Yeah, that makes sense. That's awesome. So you go in there, you're pioneering it, but it's like, I cannot waste my time on this. Correct. Yep. And so, so you, they, how much were they finding you? Like, would it, would they it just? Were, they would escalate. I think it started like 250 bucks, and the second offense is 500 bucks. You know, and yeah. it just goes up from there. Um, and the big thing too is also it, it, the, another thing that I had a gripe about on it was that if I rent a house and say I only had a four bedroom house and I rent it to four people and there's four names on the lease, yeah. and one of their partners moves in, yeah, I don't know about that. I have no control over that. If anyone should be getting the citation for that, you know, the, the over occupancy, it should be the people committing the offense. Yeah, and. What happened was they would come at me because I was the target. Well, how would they find out just because too many too many different last names are in a mailing address? Yeah, or- well, what they would do is they, they hired a, a police officer, a former police officer, still currently on the off force, but he was more or less as funny as that he pulled his gun a few few many times in, like, malice. <laughs> so they said, well, Marie, let's take you out of the squad car. We're going to make you a code enforcement officer. Oh, wow. Which is scary. So yeah. he would just go ahead and he'd basically intimidate people into into saying to admitting guilt and then saying hey look i'm not here for you i'm here to get that evil landlord yeah um who basically restored the entire fucking neighborhood by putting a bunch of money and making only shitbox houses nicer let's let's kill that guy yeah um so anyway it's that's how it went down and that's life (laughs) that's pretty i mean that's that's i mean that's the truth but but that so you get that hurdle so when and you're just tired of fighting it, so you're like, you know, I'm just gonna sell all this. Tired shit. of fighting it, sold out. You know? Yeah. And it, and it wasn't say it was fire fire sale prices, but it was definitely well below market just because it was duress and I was just tired of it. Yeah, and it was yeah. that makes sense. Um excuse me, my apologies. So how old were you then when that took place? Because you're still a young guy. That was age twenty four to twenty nine, pretty much. Oh wow. It was that whole period. And then so so when does the the permaculture thing coming to play when is it i want to be a farmer again yeah maybe aged uh, i always wanted to do it um so i mean let's say that that era was age 24 29 i would say age uh 27 or 28 i uh i saw a sepp holzer video on youtube which okay. was the the kramer hoff overview you know the aerial flight and seeing ponds and stuff and I was I was enamored. I was like, this is this is awesome this is great this is this is kind of fulfilling what i wanted to do but didn't know it you know yeah yeah and I ordered an English translation of his very first book from Europe. This is before any of the Sepulcher popularity happened. And, you know, you could just get a book from Chelsea Green or something. Yeah. And I read it and I was like, because also in his first book, he talks about fighting government to have to do what he wants. To, like, yeah. to be rational, you got to fight the bureaucratic shit. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I totally understand that because I'm dealing with that right now. Yeah, yeah. And it really set in motion uh, uh you know the sovereignty and the land ethic and, and everything that i wanted to do yeah and it went from there so okay so now so you, you're reading that and now when did you start did you immediately because i know you're your guy that takes action like how long did it take you to find the land that you have now and when and to develop your plan to start burst the land and everything you're doing uh, yeah still still a while um it took me a couple of years to to get out of the rentals that I had, um, and then at the, I was also living in this giant ass four thousand square foot brick house that was half torn apart. Yeah, and I got all rid of all the rentals, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to focus all my energies and efforts on getting this house done. Yeah, and it took me about six months. Got it, got it totally done. Um, got a purchase agreement on it. 
jumped in a backpack and I, I went to go help a friend build a house out in uh, Colorado. And uh, the deal kind of got a little shaky, you know, because yeah. it was a big house. There's basically no comps, no comparable properties for an appraisal. It's a one of a kind house. Oh wow! So the bank didn't want to lend the buyer to to bar, you know, to buy this house. And luckily enough, the guy had family wealth and more or less just borrowed from his family and paid cash for it. Wow! Um, and then I was free. Yeah. And I was home free, and I had some cash. I had a 24 foot car trailer full of tools, and that's all I had to my name. Wow. And I knew I wanted to do something with land. And at the time, I was dating this woman. Uh, we went to New Zealand. We were woofing in New Zealand, bouncing around New Zealand. That's awesome. Um, yeah, long story short, came back. We'll just skip over a few things. And <laughs> it didn't work out. It didn't work out. And, and then you're uh, like, all right, I got to focus on me again and my dreams. Got to focus on me again and my dreams. Um, do you ever think it's weird, like, uh, and this is kind of a, I don't usually talk about this, but I think it's something I struggle with is like the, like, I, I guess I feel desire as, like, a like a man. Like, I've just turned 31, but, like, it's this biological thing. It's like, you know, starting a family sounds good. Yeah. And then I started thinking about, like, all the shit I want to do and get done. I'm like, how am I supposed to do those both and not? And and I and I know some guys do it, and they put a gun to their head while they're doing it because they got to provide for their family. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm 34. Yeah. Um. You, you hear about, I, I know of female friends that kind of get baby crazy, you know, at yeah, a certain yeah. age, like they, they it's, it's like biological, it overtakes your it brains is. and they, yeah. they want kids. And I never, as a male, I never felt that. Yeah. Tell you what, man, the last couple of years, like I feel that, like yeah. I get it, you know? And I'm indifferent to the fact of, oh, I wanted to have the pick. It's, it's like when I had this big ass, perfect house, but yeah. it's all said and done. This is the best house I could ever want in my entire life. Yeah. And I was willing and ready to get rid of it because I wanted bigger goals. Yeah. And post that experience, I'm totally comfortable raising a feral child yeah. on the floor in a shack, you know? Yeah. Because it's not about the accoutrements. No. It's about the experience. Yeah. And um yeah, that's that's where I'm at now, I guess. So, so that makes sense. So and uh and so okay, so you you're you're done with that, you're focusing on your goals, you start looking at land. You have a real estate background, you know the yep. land laws of your state, which yep. is great. Yep. So what do you do next? Uh, well, when I couple th- couple things. Um, when I came back from New Zealand, I ended up staying with some friends in Vale, Colorado, in a condo, you know, yeah. ski ski condo, ski bumming around. And I didn't want to just be on the next fucking vacation. I wanted to chase after the goal still. So I I, I ordered about ten thousand dollars worth of honeyberry plants because they yeah. take some time to propagate, you know. Yeah. And I, you have to find land when you've got $10,000 of plants coming in the spring. And right? now were you were you already looking at how to propagate plants? Like did you already done about Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when you were wolfing, you learned a lot of these skills? Yeah, oh, I had the skills prior to that, but like okay. some of some of this like honeyberries are tissue cultured. Okay. So it's got to be done in a lab. And I okay. didn't have a lab, you know, so it's something you just hire out and sub it out. Yeah. Um Anyway, so sometimes having plant material lights a fire under your ass to continue yeah. on, you know, or anything like that, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and I ended up renting some land from family uh, about an hour, hour and a half from where I was living prior. Um, and I was just running it. And my brother was there, and it just, it just didn't work out. We have very conflicting personalities. Yeah. And um, you try and do something as a partnership, and somebody wants to work and somebody doesn't. Yeah, and it's like I can't give half my paycheck to you if you're just gonna not do jick, you know? Anything. Yeah, and it blew up, and it was fucking nasty. Yeah, um, 
long-term fans of my podcast know that because my brother used to be my co-host. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, so yeah. I, family it didn't work out for me, and uh, it was toxic, and I, I walked away. I had to give it some space, and I've given it several years of space now. Um, so I, I became landless again, you know? Yeah. And yeah, was semi-depressed, living in a buddy's, buddy's basement of his condo, you know? Yeah. But you got to fucking stay after it yeah and uh still had some money saved up uh saw a parcel an auction that was coming up that i could afford it was like a 40 acre parcel and the auction it was this weird serendipitous confluence of events where i knew this older couple that that wanted to help with you know organic farmer beginning farmer and they ended up buying the larger parcel which i couldn't afford and then leasing it back to me with an option to purchase yeah because they knew i had the skill set to do it yeah um and how did you know them? It was just just through just uh, through a farming friend. farming organization. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And that was a really great relationship as well for a couple of years, and then that kind of dissolved too because like you know, hey, I'm doing what I have to do on the land. Like there was no house, no barn, no water, no septic, what no were you nothing. Living in? I was living <laughs> living in a twelve by twenty four FEMA trailer. And how did you now? What gave and you? I, a- and I shat in a bucket, <laughs> and I composted everything. And I was the most eco person around yeah. in a totally unconventional lifestyle. And and after my my profile rose publicly and people were aware of what I was doing and started getting a lot of visitors, then it became pretty apparent that I was shedding in a bucket and composting everything and I had no running water. And they got scared shitless that they would look down be looked down upon for kind of encouraging said behavior. And it was just a fucking firestorm. So it's like basically because people are still afraid of people are afraid. Anyways. Well, that's one thing, but people are afraid, afraid. of unconventional. People are afraid of yeah. anarchy. People what are, are people going to think? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's nonsense. <laughs> yeah. So that that because of that, because of wanting to maintain airs and expecting me to live in a four hundred thousand dollar vinyl sided house like they do, that relationship eroded too. Yeah. Um, so then you had to find land again. No, I'm still happened? on the same property. Cat scratching, you know, yeah. I, I was forced to move off site for a while until a septic system got put in. I'm back on the farm now. Um, now, when, now, when did this all take place with the septic system and that, that falling through? In the last year, year and a half. Last year. Because so, yeah. I know when I first heard of you, it's like, yeah, that dude's living in a FEMA trailer. Yep. So I was living in a FEMA trailer uh, to, all basically from, from getting on the farm until October of 15. Yeah. And then last winter, I was in an apartment in Iowa City paying $800 a month. And rent, it's that ridic- sucks. ridiculous. Yeah, that sucks. So now, what do you, so now you live in a double wide. <laughs> now I'm in a double wide, which is oddly enough much shittier than, than the, the FEMA, FEMA trailer. trailer. Yeah, um, that's hilarious. So, so let's talk about Versaland. So, what what is Versaland, and what are you doing on Versaland? Sure. Uh, 145 acres of land, um, pretty hilly, reasonably highly erodible land. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 25 acres of remnant woods and timber you know they logged over the good stuff and whatever was left behind is still there uh seeded over all of the gmo row crop ground into a perennial pasture and then into that most of it planted you know consecutive rows of trees in a key line arrangement as far as parallel silver pasture and so for people that aren't familiar with key line arrangements just real quick i guess trying to yeah for people um, to- imagine um a hillside and you walk across that slope on contour 
so that anything, if it rains above you and it flows down, it, it stays yeah. in the slope and it, it soaks in the soil versus washing away. So it's lots of parallel curvilinear lines around a hillside. And then you stack trees on it. Yep. And then silvopasture, just for other people that might not know what that is. Silvopasture would be a uh, portmanteau of silvo, tree, and pasture, pasture. So it's it's <laughs> it's pasturing animals with, with the existence of trees around for shade and for fodder and for... So, okay, and now are you right now, are you, lease, are you leasing your land for people to graze? Or how is that working with animals? Um, I own... Uh, most of the livestock, you know, half-ish of the livestock um, there right now. And then a former intern who's now running a, how do you want to put it, venture of his own on site is is going to own his cattle herd completely. And he's going to be grazing the forage on my site that I own. And in exchange for the, all that free forage that he's effectively purchasing, yeah. he's taking over the, the labor and the upkeep of, of chickens and pigs and, and that kind of thing. That's which, awesome. Which I own. So he's got skin in the game. I've got skin in the game. It's mutually beneficial for both parties. Yeah. He's got land access that he can count on. Um, and he's able to you know, grow his cattle herd, market his cattle herd, and take it with him if he ends up buying a farm someday. You know? That's awesome. Now, how did you come across him and, and form an agreement with him and everything? Um, I, you know, he found, he found, he found me you. initially. He was working for, for Tillers in Michigan, which is like this draft power nonprofit. So he learned a lot about draft power. He's, he's an engineer from... from Detroit car, car culture. So he's working for GM and you oh, know, wow. all these places. And he just he wanted he, to get out. Like everybody else, he just wanted to get out. He was like, this yeah. sucks. I want yeah. to do cool things. And he learned the hard way, you know? Like, this is, he's smart. He's very smart. And he, yeah. he walked away from it. That's awesome. Yeah. What's, I mean, it takes like, that's my biggest fear. I mean, I, th- I don't think it's fear, but it's like, that's my biggest puzzle right now is figuring out what, when to walk away. Um, figuring out when to transition. Like, I want to go part-time and then move over to full-time, but make sure cause my, my cost of living is low. Like, what do you recommend or what would you advise people on how to make that transition? Because not yeah. everybody's going to live in a FEMA trailer. Like, not everybody's right, going right, to Right, right, right. And, and having a family is, is one thing. Um, I think that's all, all, too, all too often too much of an excuse of, oh, I have kids, therefore I can't live raw. Yeah, I have to maintain my current status, you know. Like, yeah, and I also know a lot of people that are high net worth or high high current income people, engineers, IT, sales, whatever. Like, I make 120 grand a year, but I really want to have high quality life. Yeah. Um, what do I do? It's just like, well, you're not going to make as much as you did before, yeah. but it doesn't fucking matter because your quality of life is improving drastically. Yeah. So quit trying to exchange that and maintain your your salary, which is just a status symbol. It's a thing that you can tell everybody else that you do, you know, and it doesn't fucking matter, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to, if you want to, I, I suggest more like saving up a bunch of money and diving into it. Yeah. Instead of just like, you know, dabbling into it because yeah. as long as you have the, the teat of your full-time income, yeah. you know, you're never going to pursue it. It's just going to become a hobby <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to have a hobby. But if you can make your hobby profitable, and like do it part time, like what I'm trying to do with Curtis's model, and then transition. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, it is. I, I think with something like Curtis's model, if you are working a full time job, given yeah. the intensity of his rotations, is instead of doing these intense rotations, do a couple crops at scale, perhaps much more of a you know a, a few things that require lesser inputs, like a root vegetable. Uh, you know, sweet potatoes, beets, carrots, something you can plant 
maintain it as you have time and then pull out a boatload of stuff. Yeah. And then also you have the, the advantage of, of marketing timeline because you can store it longer. You know, yeah. the lettuce, microgreens, if you don't have it sold in a day, it's worthless. If you, you know, cure sweet potatoes correctly, they can store for months yeah. and you can, you know, market them as needed. Um, so that's interesting. I never thought about that. Um, well, awesome, man. Well, I tell you what, we're, we're trying to make these short and sweet here at the Permaculture Voices 3 conference because everything's going on, but we're right about a half an hour, man. So, cool. uh, so if people want to check out Versaline, if people want to come and help you work on your farm or if people want to buy stuff from you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you should check out the farm at uh, Versaland.com, V-E-R-S-A-L-A-N-D.com. Um, Facebook, we've got videos and photos of what we're doing, uh, facebook.com slash Versaland. And then we also operate uh, a nursery. So we were selling fruit and nut trees and small fruits and asparagus and graphing tools and fence posts and you know really specialized cool stuff for people like me, people yeah. like you. And that's newfarmsupply.com. So your your deer fence, I think it was something yeah. to keep the deer out of. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Ten foot tall, fully electrified deer fence. Yeah, yeah, so, that was awesome. Um, and yeah, let's say uh, discount code sample S A M P L E twenty percent off anything at uh, newfarmsupply.com. Well, I appreciate that, sir. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Drew. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you, Grant. And guys, uh, look forward to hearing more exclusive interviews of Permaculture Voices Three. And happy birthday to me. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks again for listening. Again, go to newfarmsupply.com, enter discount code SAMPLE for 20% off. Thanks again. Bye.